0: Looking at faith, and um, I don't want to go back over (coughs) what we've talked about for the last two, three weeks. Uh, Needless to say, if you weren't here, can I encourage you to get on the Facebook page? Luke puts all the messages up on Sunday nights, so if you get on the Facebook page, you'll be able to listen to it, because faith is one of those topics that can be very easily taken out of context. Um, Faith can be taken to complete and utter extremes, where uh, I believe that a lot of the Word of God can be uh misrepresentative of the character and the nature of god and faith happens to be one of those topics that's a little bit uh antsy with people you know Uh, you hear someone's going to preach on faith and you know some people make the word association like we've just been talking about well you're going to tell me that i can have anything i want just because i want it and i can have 15 cars and a thousand houses and i'll buy a 200 million hectare property and i'll you know have a you know oh no i've sat there myself and i've i've Watched on TV, people say, give me money, and if you give me $10,000, I'm going to put your name on a brick on this wall when we build it, and if we get a 5000 donation, you're on this brick over here. If we get a $20 donation, you'll be written down here in the concrete somewhere, but we're going to put carpet over that, so it doesn't really matter. Um, so when I talk about faith, I don't talk about that thing. What, I, what, what we need to talk about and acknowledge with faith, though, is that faith is a very important thing. It's in this book for a reason. We can't uh, avoid the fact... That when faith was present, God was released to do things. When faith was not present, Jesus was hindered. God is hindered in an environment of unbelief. Doors are opened up in an environment of faith for God to do things that he wants to do. I believe God wants to do a lot more in, in the world and a lot more in the church. And I also believe God wants to do a lot more in my life than I'm allowing him to do right now because of this simple little thing called faith. And part of the journey of Christianity is developing faith. Going from over here, where Jesus says, with man, this is impossible. And getting over here, where he says, with God, all things are possible. And journeying from this impossible place to this possible place. And we're all on that journey at some point. And God's grace is there. It sustains us. But God's loving nature and character is he wants to take us by the hand and say, come on, step out. Step out. I want to take you further and further. Because I've got good things for you. I've got wonderful things for you. But I need you to work with me. I need you to create that environment of faith. I need you to trust me so that we can walk into all that God has for us. So we've been talking about faith, and um, last week we started on characteristics of great faith. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, we've been looking at the story of the centurion who uh, came to Jesus and said, my servant is laying at home sick. And Jesus straight away without batting an eyelid said, I'll heal him, I'll come to your house. And the servant said to Jesus, you know what, I'm not worthy that you would come to my house, but I'm a man under authority, I say this, that. And he just said, just speak the word. Just speak the word my servant will be healed. And Jesus made the comment, he said, such great faith as this I have not seen, even in Israel. Even the people of God, even the people that claim to have known me for centuries, I still haven't found that kind of degree of greatness of faith, even amongst these people that, that have read the Old Testament and been waiting for the Messiah and believe. I haven't seen that kind of faith. And it's very rare in the New Testament that Jesus points out any particular faith as great. We just know that faith is good and unbelief is, is probably not really good. But in this instance, he points out and says, this is such great faith. So we've been looking at that. And, and uh, the, uh, gen- the uh, uh, Gentile woman in, I think it was Matthew chapter 15 as well, who came to him and she said uh, you know my, my, um, I've got a situation going on here and Jesus said you know I, he actually ignored her at first and said I'm not going to listen to you and she kept coming after him going no Jesus I need your help I need your help I need your help even his, his disciples ended up turning to Jesus and saying send her away she's becoming a nuisance she's causing a scene we don't need this right now we're going off to do the work of God and Jesus ignores her and then Jesus turns to her and says look it's not fit that we give uh, the children's bread you she says yeah but you know what even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table and jesus again says wow that's great faith so we've got these two examples in the new testament where jesus says this is great faith so we've been just looking at that over the last couple of weeks First thing we looked at was great faith draws on the grace of God. It's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on who I am or how great I am. The, the, the centurion, when Jesus turned around and said, I'll come to your house and heal her straight away, the centurion put God in his right place and himself in his right place. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy. It's not worm pride. It's not uh, saying that I'm a nothing. I'm very important by very nature, of who God says I am and how God wants me to live my life. And God wants us to believe what he says about us. What God says about you is more important than how you feel or more important than what anybody else says about you. So get into this book and find out what God says about you because it'll change your life when you mix it with faith. But having said that, there is still a difference between God and myself. I am not God. And that's what this centurion was doing. He was saying that... I'm here, and God, you're there, and I'll keep you in your rightful place, and I won't think that faith elevates me to the point where you and me are best buddies. God is still God, and we can't lose that distinction. That's what this centurion was saying. He said, Lord, I'm I'm not worthy that you would come to my house. Jesus didn't rebuke him for saying that. Jesus didn't say, well, get into the word of God. You shouldn't say that about yourself. That's worm pride. That's terrible. Don't you believe? Jesus didn't rebuke him. Jesus actually healed the servant in that very hour. So God responded to that. So the first thing that we see about great faith is it draws on the grace of God, not its own merits or its own abilities. Second thing we talked about was great faith believes that God is able. God is able. How able is your God? What can your God do? How big is your God? How big is your God? What does the word of God tell you about God? That's actually secondary. More importantly, is what do you believe about God? Does your God heal the sick or can't your God heal the sick? Can your God deliver people who are tormented by evil spirits or does your God not do that anymore? Does your God provide your needs or is that Old Testament stuff? Is that that just the disciples? Did everything cease when the last disciples? What do you think your God is able to do There you go. There you go. That's right. Done. So, how big is our God? I haven't heard that song for years, but it's good. Sometimes the simple things are the most profound. How big is our God? So, great faith believes that God is able. He has the power to do what he says he will. Third thing about great faith, and we'll pick that up this week great faith believes that God is willing. It's one thing to know that God can do something, but will he do it for you? It's one thing to know that God has the capacity to do something, to change a situation, to change a circumstance. That's fantastic. But what do you believe about God's willingness to do something for you? Is God willing to do something for you? Uh, In in Matthew chapter 8, where we're reading at the moment, if you just go back to the very start of that, before Jesus has this encounter with a centurion, he has an encounter with a leper. It says in verse 1, When he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him. That's a really interesting, little play on words, isn't it? A whole multitude followed Jesus, but one leper worshipped Jesus. Are we just followers? Or are we worshippers? Are we following Jesus? Because of all, oh, look at all the miracles. This Jesus is cool. He's, he's rebuking the religious leaders of the day. Yeah, we're into that. He's giving it to them. Yeah, we're into that. Let's join the, let's get along. Woo! Hey, stick that in your pipe, Pharisees, we're with Jesus. Uh, This leper worshipped him. This leper worshipped him. Again, acknowledging that we're not just one of your entourage, Jesus. Hang on a second. I'm I'm me and God, Jesus, you are God. And he worshipped him. And he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing. That's a fantastic question. That's a fantastic... I wonder if you've ever thought about that in your own world. Have you ever thought... About what do I think God is willing to do for me? If, the, if there's one thing that's probably absent in, in, oh, I shouldn't say that. That's a bit broad brush, but we need we, God. When we got saved, the Bible says that my spirit, my dead spirit, was taken out, and the life spirit was put in me. And then God took His Holy Spirit and put that Spirit inside of me. My heart of stone was replaced with a heart of flesh. So now I can have relationship with God. His Spirit lives in me. We commune. He didn't take my brain out though. Sometimes I wish he did. I wish he'd replace that. I don't feel smart enough sometimes. But we're still meant to think. And it's okay to think about our faith because that's how we discover where we're really at. We can engage our brain and our spirit and they can work in union together. Okay? And I wonder, is God willing? Do you think that God is willing? This is the leper's question. The leper came and said, Jesus, I have been hearing all these stories about you. And it's just getting all over the place. Man, this Jesus of Nazareth, dude, he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead, he's casting out demon spirits, he turned water into wine, he walked on the ocean. Man, you do some freaky, weird, powerful, wild stuff outside the realm of human conception. And the leper makes the journey to come to Jesus. And his question is not, can you do this? He knows he can do it. He knows what Jesus is capable of. His question is, but... Are you willing to do it for me, little old me? I'm nobody. I'm just a leper. I'm an outcast. I'm unclean. As a matter of fact, I could get into all sorts of trouble by even coming here and hanging out with a big crowd. I shouldn't even be here. I should be living out near the tip somewhere with the rest of the lepers because we're not allowed to be here. But I heard about you, God. I heard about you, Jesus. I heard what you can do. I heard that you can change a person's life. I heard you can change a person's world. I heard you can change a person's circumstance. But are you willing to touch me? Are you willing to help me? Is your God willing to help you? I'm not asking you, is your God able to do something? Because if I said that, most of us would probably go, amen, yes, we're sitting in a Pentecostal church. Yeah, we believe God can heal. Yep, that's fantastic. That's one part of great faith. But another part of great faith is, do you believe that he's willing to do it for you? Is he willing to do it for you? You know, I was talking to to Jackie the other day. Um, Anyone with children will know, kids are smart. It doesn't take them long to work out which parent to go to to get certain things. Is that right? Is that right? We know which parent to go to to get some. Because we know who the yes parent is and who the no parent is. And the yes parent in this situation might be the no parent in that situation. So we work it out. We, we work out who we need to go to for different things. And I was chatting with Jackie uh, the other day and Caleb was there and we were talking about uh, our children and, and of course Caleb's 19 now so uh, he can give us some insights into how we've parented and, 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 and how it's sort of gone along the way. So he offered up a few suggestions as well. and. I didn't realize this, well, I kind of did, but if the kids ever want dessert, they always go to mum. They'll always go to Jackie after dinner for dessert. They won't come to me and ask for dessert. I can see the terror in their eyes when they come home from school and I say, no, mum's out at a meeting or mum's working, I'm getting dinner tonight. It's like the blood drains from their face. What? No dessert? Nah. You see, when I grew up, we never had dessert. I never had dessert. So. One night a week dessert, that's plenty. One, that's pl- a that's hundred times more than I ever had as a child. So one night a week of dessert, that's plenty. You don't need two desserts. Some people have no desserts. And you've got one. And you go that's one dessert. It's brilliant. But when mum's home and dad and mum are at the table, they'll look up and they'll lock eyes with me and they'll go, can we have dessert, mum? Of course. You know why? Because Jackie was telling me she had dessert every night. Her mum here, this is Jackie's mum, by the way, those of you that don't know. Jackie's mum, Val, used to cook dessert. Not just They didn't just have dessert. She would cook dessert. Homemade dessert. Every night. Every single night. Homemade dessert. Mum would cook it. Thanks for that, by the way. I feel like an ogre now every time I say no to my kids. But you know what? They've worked it out. They still get their dessert. You know why? Because they ask mum. Because mum's willing. You know what else I discovered? If they want to sit up a bit past their bedtime and watch a bit of TV... Ask dad. Ask dad. Especially if the sport's on, footy's on or something like that. Ask dad. Yeah, no, that's fine. You can sit up. Don't ask mum. Yeah, ask dad. So kids are smart. They work out really, really quickly which parent is willing to do what and which parent is not willing uh, to do, you know. Uh, kids work this stuff out and, and, and it's a bit like us with God. You have a vision and a picture of God. There are certain things that you believe God is willing to do for you and there are certain things that you don't believe he will. Some of that might be based on your experience. Some might be based on somebody else's experience. But people, we need to base those experiences and our belief on what this book has to say. We need to base our faith on what God reveals about himself through his word and through his Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, you know the Bible is a book of human encounters with God. The people we read about in this book, did you know they were humans? Cut them and they shall bleed. They peeled onions and they cried. Just like you and me. They ate broccoli and spat it out because it's a disgusting, evil plant that did not exist before the fall. Just like you and me. Or maybe just like me, is it? Man, no, it's just like me. They were humans. When they built something and they hit their thumb with a hammer, they screamed. Ah! They were human beings. This book is full of stories of human beings Just like you. But the Spirit of God moved upon them. God did something in their world that transformed their life. And then those stories were captured in here so that we can read them and connect with them for the very fact that their God is our God. They were flesh and blood like we are flesh and blood. They had needs like we have needs. God was willing and God is willing. God is willing. God is willing. Everyone say that. God is willing. God can not only do it, he wants to do it. He wants to engage with your world. He wants to engage with your situations. You know, I was down at the at the bank the other day and I bumped into a mate of mine. I haven't seen him for a long, long time. He used to uh, come down and... and, and um, oh, it's being recorded. Anyway, I, I've known him for a long, long time. and I bumped into him in the bank and what happened was he uh, was standing in line, and hes I'm, I'm sort of here, and he's walked in behind me. I didn't realize he was there. And I turned around and said, oh, how are you? He said, good. And he said, you know what? He said, waiting in line here, he said, it's like waiting for your prayers to get answered. It was really, really slow that day, getting up to the till. He said, waiting in line here is like waiting for your prayers to get answered. He said it in a bit of a fun sort of way. So I thought, I'll engage and have a bit of fun. So I turned back, and I said, well, as a matter of fact, I got my prayers answered quicker. And he looked at me, and he goes, Yeah, well, a lot of people do, but a lot of times too, people don't realise they've been answered and the answer was no. And I thought, that's a pretty profound thought coming from this guy. I don't believe he walks with God unless he's had a life-transforming experience. But I thought, that's really profound. Yes, sometimes the answer is no. But you know what? Firstly, how do you know if you don't ask? And secondly, I think God gets frustrated because we presume the answer to be no without him ever saying it. God is quite often guilty until proven innocent. We don't believe in the extreme love and grace and willingness of God to get involved in our world and to do things and to change things. We sit back and we look at ourselves and we can come up with a thousand reasons why God would not want to answer my prayer. A thousand reasons why God might answer Dean. You know what? Dean's a great guy, isn't he? Dean's a fantastic guy. I love Dean. He he just, he looks, dresses cool. He's an attractive young man. He plays a guitar. Um, He's he's smart. He's the sort of guy that you just want to... God, I can understand why you'd want to answer Dean's prayer. I mean, Dean went to sleep one night. God spoke to him in a dream and told Dean that you're going to get a fantastic job offer tomorrow. Someone's going to contact you. And I want you to say no to this fantastic job offer because I've got something better for you. This happened to Dean. And you know what happened the next morning? Dean gets a phone call. The person rings you Of course it happened to Dean. Dean's Dean. You know, God loves Dean. God, why do I not get the dreams? Why have I walked into so many situations, fallen flat on my face and turned around and gone, God, but you, you told Dean. You told what's so special. But Dean, Why? And God says, well, first of all, you didn't even ask me. Didn't even ask. But Dean didn't even ask. He just had a dream. He didn't even ask you. He didn't even know to ask you because he hadn't been asked yet himself. So you told Dean before he was even asked. That's how much you look after him. Why aren't you doing that for me? I look at things this way. Human perspectives, human camera angles. Elevate self. Do I really think that my badness is so powerful that it can crush the spirit of God? Do I really feel like I can do something that's so woeful that all of a sudden the unending love of God becomes of no effect? I did this it was really, really bad and so now I've nullified the love of God in my life if that's that's what you think if that's the way we, we view God we have such a tiny, tiny view of God and such an inflated view of ourselves that we are that powerful the only thing I read in the Bible that can stop or enhance God can limit God from moving or create an environment for him to move is this thing called faith it's this thing called faith I make all kinds of mistakes in my life. I am not perfect. But thank God when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. He sees me clean. He sees me washed white as snow. He's not stupid. He doesn't ignore the fact that I'm not perfect. He knows that. And he gently deals with me. And he leads me and he guides me and he speaks to me. And he puts me in situations where stuff comes up and I get to see a little bit of who I really am. I didn't realise I was like that. You know? I didn't think I would ever be like that. But now I'm seeing I'm selfish and maybe I'm, I'm an impatient But And God allows us and I see this stuff. But it doesn't stop the working of God. God doesn't sit back and go, until you are... Look, I don't expect perfection, but until you're at about 95, please don't waste my time because there are people over here that are they're up there and they're ready now. So when you're ready... He doesn't do that. God is willing to touch lepers. He's willing to touch the untouchable, but the untouchable have to be willing to go to him first. And you won't go to him if you don't think he's going to be willing. You might go to him on behalf of somebody else and pray for them, because well, that person is a really good person, you know. Uh, this, this, this same story here that we have in in uh, Matthew chapter 8 I can't remember which book it is but it's in another of the gospels as well but in that gospel it tells the story how the servants uh came and they said look there's this guy here and he does great things and, he, and 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 um you need to heal him we, a lot of us are like that we can go to God with confidence for God to move on behalf of other people I'd do it I said my story last week. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you, for sick people, and have done for many, many years and seen amazing miracles and healings. Amazing miracles and healings. Yet I've struggled with a bad back to the point where it just becomes normal and I don't even pray that. Because I just accept it. I accept these things that God doesn't want me to accept. But I just embrace, I just, just subconsciously, I just embrace certain situations in life as normal now because they've been there so long. So I just go, this is normal. I don't fight for them anymore. I don't get into the Word of God and build my faith. I don't pray and ask the Lord to speak to me. God, if you speak to me and you say, God, that you want me to have a bad back for the rest of my life, if that's the Word of the Lord to me, your grace is sufficient, I'll embrace it and go with it. But God's never said that to me. So why am I settling for that? Why am I, settling? Why am I not in the face of God going, God, speak to me. Give me a word, something that'll change my life, something that'll change my situation, something that can change my circumstance. Speak to me, God. We need to believe that God is willing God is willing. Fourth thing we see about great faith in the Bible is a great faith sees God's word as reality. How many of you know that we live in a world, especially an academic world, any of you have been to go to university or whatever, and I'm not bagging it, by the way. We need to exercise our brains and learn. But we live in a world where seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. We want to see things happen first before we actually believe. I want to see the answer manifested in front of me before I will actually step out in faith and go, Yes, I believe. Now, doesn't that just make no sense? Once I've seen it, I don't need faith anymore. It's manifested, it's there it's right in front of me. I don't need faith once I've seen it. But we live in this world that says seeing is believing. And yet we come to this spiritual side of life in the Bible and we see Jesus, a God who's saying, believe and you shall see. It's the complete opposite. Believe first. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And if you can believe what I'm saying to you, You will create that spiritual environment where I will come on in and do whatever needs to be done, regardless of how impossible it appears to your natural mind. Regardless of the impossibilities to your natural mind. If you can create that environment, God can come on in and God can do amazing things. I threw it out there last week with Gideon. Digging a hole, threshing the wheat in the wine press. And the Lord appears to him and says, Gideon great mighty man. And Gideon turns to God and says, where are the miracles of our forefathers? Where are they? And I can just imagine God turning to us today and going, well, where is the faith of your forefathers? Where are the believers? Where are the people stepping out? Where are the people hungering for me, seeking my faith, getting my word and running with my word? One of my favorite movies of all time is Indiana Jones. Anyone like the? Jones films, Harrison Ford. I swear that guy never ages, eh? But in the third one, I think it is. No, was the first one. The one where we had to find the golden chalice, the cup of the Lord. Remember the cup of Jesus? There's one there. And there's a scene at the end. And Indiana Jones has got this cryptic code map type thing. And he's followed it and he's made it through all these mazes and rolling balls and shooting spikes and all the things that Indiana Jones does so well. And he gets to the very end and he stands up over here and there's this non ending chasm. Just goes down, he looks over there, and it's just black to the bottom. And on the other side is a cave and inside that cave is the cup of the Lord. And he's got all these cryptic clues and he goes and he gets this, there's part of this cryptic clue. That's basically saying to him, you've got to step out in faith. That's basically what it's saying. And he sees the cave over there and he sees the chasm and there's nothing he can do. And there's a scene in the movie where he turns, he recites this cryptic word thing and he works out the penny drops. He gets a revelation, that's what it is. He gets a revelation of what this clue means. And he turns and he looks down and he looks up and he puts a foot out. And there's this moment in the film where you go, oh. of course you know what's going to happen because it's Indiana Jones. And he puts his foot forward and for a split second he's suspended in thin air. Both of his feet are on nothing solid. And then all of a sudden he drops and bang, he lands on something invisible. And he turns behind, grabs a pile of sand and throws it out. And boom, there's this invisible bridge in front of him. And he runs across and we all know the rest of the thing. Faith is like that. Faith is like that. It involves the word of God. The word of God. But then it always involves a moment of suspension. Just hanging in midair. God, I'm hearing you. I'm doing what you're saying. And there's always that moment. But we want to get the word of God. And then we want to stand on the edge and we want to tempt God. We want to go, I'll do it, God. I'll do it. I will, no, I'm serious. I'll do it. Hoping that God will come and lift the bridge up and put it right under my feet. So I go, oh, yeah, no, I don't have to. Yeah. Thanks, God. It's oh, good. And we walk across. But that's not faith. That's standing there, hesitating, waiting till all my ducks have lined up. It's like Peter on the boat saying, Lord, is that you? Yes. God, if it's you, tell me to come. Come. Okay, that's great. Now, if it's really you, make three ducks fly over the back of the boat as well. Three ducks fly over. Excellent. Okay, so if it's really you, I want to see, see a dolphin jump out as well at the front of the boat. Okay, yep. Okay, Lord, no, and if it's really you, and if it's really you, and if it's really you, there's got to be a point where you grab hold of that word of God and you go, I'm going to just step out. I'm just going to step out. And I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see where God takes me with this. That's faith. That's what people of great faith in the word of God did. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things that you cannot see. But so many of us want to see it first before we step out. I have a a massive passion to see. And when I say the church, I'm speaking about me. I want to see the church not have a message only to tell the world. Jesus is real. He loves you. He's a great God. The disciples went out and they had a message and they said, God is real and he loves you and he's wonderful, but you don't have to take my word for it. Where's the sick? You don't have to believe me. What are you going through right now? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe God to change it. And when he changes it, come back and I'll tell you the rest of the story. You don't have to believe me. God's big enough to show himself Wouldn't it be great to be in that environment? Wouldn't it be great to be that person that can take that word of God, step out in faith? This centurion didn't even see his servant healed. Jesus just said, go your way. Your servant's made well. He didn't say, well, hang on, Jesus, I'm going to hold you to that. Servants, go back. When you get there, call me on the mobile and just tell me. And then I'll believe. He just turned around and went, good enough for me. I don't know how long the journey was from his house to where Jesus was. All I know is when Jesus says, it's done, he turned around and said, thank you. And walked off. And that very hour, the Bible says his servant was here. That's faith. That's faith. And that's what we're praying for. That's what we're believing God for. That's what we want to see happen in our own world the ultimate reality that we live by must be whatever god says not what we can see taste touch feel smell or work it out it's got to be what god says we see right back in the beginning creation god said let there be and there was he said it first and then it happened And it's the same throughout the new testament god says something it happens he says something and it happens the challenge for us and where we let ourselves down is do we really ask him are we listening to him Are we seeking God or are we just allowing life to go by and saying, no, that's just part of life. That's just part of life. That's just part of living in a fallen world. You know what? You could be right, but don't presume a no upon God. What if it's not? What if God has miracles for you? What if God has healings for you? What if God has provision for you beyond your wildest dreams? What if God has a better job for you? What if he does? What if God has a, 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 I could go on with an endless list of things. I don't know your heart. I don't know your personal world. You do, and it's between you and God. But I believe God wants to do so much more in our lives than we allow him to. We get so distracted and so caught up with so many One of the things that we see in Bible time is that perhaps we can justify and go, well, it was so much easier then. They didn't have the medicines we have now. They didn't have the social welfare systems. And you know what? That's true. And I look at medicine today as a gift from God. I do. I believe that if if a doctor heals me, that's God healing me because God gave us the wisdom to be able to outwork that. I don't care how the healing comes. God can do that. But I also wonder how often have I raced off to a doctor as my first port of call when the Lord was saying, hang on, I've got, this one's a miracle. Hang on, I've got a healing here for you. I want to do it over here. Because when you run off to the doctor and you get healed, guess what, it's wonderful. You're going to sit back and go, the Lord healed me, that's great. But he's going, no, but I want to do it this way because when that happens, not just you are going to go, the Lord healed me, the people around you are going to go, where had that happened? You're going to say, well, this is what happened. I went to church on Sunday and they prayed for me. And I came home and I was healed. I went to a friend's place and I had this situation going on and some, some Christian friends of mine, whatever, they gathered around me and they prayed for me and God broke through. I got out of bed in the morning and I was praying and I felt like the Lord said to me, do this, and I went and did that and the whole situation changed. And God gets glory. And people start hearing about this stuff happening again, but it starts with the church. It starts with us growing in our faith, challenging ourselves in faith, getting in the face of God. And crying out to God like the father with a demon-possessed child, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Being like the disciples and saying, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Because church and Christianity is so much more than going to meetings and giving money. and That's just the formality side of it. It's the fellowship side of it. It's the, it's, it's the impartation of the word. It's that side of it. But there's so much more to our faith. It's to encapsulate every area of our life. The minute we walk out this door, the minute we walk in, God is out there trying to do 100,000 things in the world and he's just looking for people with faith to connect with him so he can go, you're the one. Yeah, I can grab this person because I know they'll trust me. I know they'll do what I'm asking. And God wants to do so much more on planet Earth. But he needs faith. And if he doesn't find faith, we see in the Bible, he waits for the next generation, or the next generation, or the next generation. I'm sick of waiting for the next generation. Wouldn't it be great to be that generation together? Wouldn't it be great to be those people that trust God, and that God can also trust? Imperfect people, people with issues, people with problems, people with struggles, people who are honest about where they're at, but people of faith nonetheless. Because my faith rests in God's ability, who he is, not who I am. Amen? Well, I want to finish up now. I'm going to pray. Finish up a bit early today because we've got a couple of cakes up the back there for Father's Day. So we want everyone to hang around. I understand Father's Day, we all probably want to run off really, really quickly and spend time with our family. So we're going to crack some cakes open uh, up the back. Even if we just hang around, give us 10 minutes, have a piece of cake uh, and so on. And then uh, you can head off and, and, and do some stuff with your family. But I just want to pray for us before we finish up you know i I, I genuinely genuinely believe with all my heart with all my heart that we're not speaking about faith just because it's a great topic i can tell you this i've been preaching for 20 odd years now i've never ever 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 felt from god to hang around faith never i've never felt that but i know that i know that i know for whatever reason god wants me to talk about faith i don't know why i don't feel like i'm the most faithful person I don't feel like I'm the most faith-filled person. But I I do believe that the word of God is correct. And I believe God wants us to be a faith community. Not just a Christian community, but a community of faith. A community of people that believe who God is. Believe that God can do what he said he would do. Believe that God is willing to do what he says he can do. Believe that God will do it for you. Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at how little you are or minuscule you are or all your imperfections and start looking at the greatness of God because that's what Christianity is about. It's people acknowledging that. It's all about Him. He is the creator of the universe, not me. He makes situations. He changes worlds. He calms storms. He heals sick. He puts blind eyes on and opens them up. He raises the dead. I don't do it. He does, but He just looks for faithful, broken vessels. Amen. Father, we just thank You, Lord, uh, for what You're doing. Uh, here amongst us god we pray father firstly for those uh god who who, um father for father's day lord are spending time with family this morning and uh lord were uh unable to come Lord, we just pray for them bless them bless their time with their families god i pray for each person in this room this morning that you would bless them god i pray that you would bless the fathers today god and uh uh, father we thank you god for the great responsibility of 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 showing the father heart of god to our children and also to those around us and our Father, we just pray you would continue in the next year. Empower us to be the best fathers we can possibly be. Empower us to be the best believers we can be. And God, take us on this journey of faith, God. Each of us individually, God. We are all at different places. We are all at different stages. But Father, we want to believe you for more. We don't want to be complacent in our Christianity. We don't want to be complacent in our seeking of you, God. Times of complacency are over, God time for us to rise up and take a hold of all that you have for us god as the word of god says to take a hold of all that you laid a hold of us for god and to be that generation and to be those people so lord i pray as we walk out of this place today you would seal in our hearts the word that you've been speaking to us god father i pray that that the worries and the cares of life would not snatch it away god i pray that the pressures that we face out there would not take it away I pray that the enemy would not be able to come on in and undermine and start a second-guessing you, God, and take us uh, out of that realm of faith and put us into a place of unbelief and a place of, of, of uh, just thinking about you and thoughts, God, but you would keep us in a place of action and a place of activity, a place of vibrancy, a place of life, God, the very place where you dwell. We ask this all this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next Sunday. Is it hot in here or is it just me? It's hot, isn't it? Yeah, okay. I just thought it was the glory of God coming off me. Emanating, you no? Know? Okay. I'm going to believe that anyway. <laughs> Hang around for cake. We're going to bring the cakes out now.